Bond yields are lower, the US dollar is falling, but shares are rising, and not just in the US. In fact, the UK is the leader of the pack when it comes to share prices. Why? For no reason other than less job openings in the United States. Another case of bad news is good news. How long will it be before we have good news is good news? What a world that would be. And some AI news today as well. Is that good news? Uh, It's Wednesday, the 30th of August, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is heading down today. It's lost 0.6% on the DXY index. That's helped the Aussie dollar climb 0.9%, almost to 64.9 US cents now. The biggest move out of the major currencies today, in fact. Uh, the Swiss franc and the euro are up 0.7%. The pound is up 0.4%. And a fall in bond yields down nine basis points for 10-year treasuries, down 12 for two years earlier, uh, although that's retreated a couple of basis points since. And German 10-year bond yields, five basis points lower, down six in France, seven in Italy, just two in the UK though. And equities are doing all right, actually more than all right. The Nasdaq is up 1.7%, the S&P 500 is up one and a quarter percent and 0.9% for the Dow. The FTSE 100 up 1.7% overnight, 0.9% for the DAX. And oil higher too, at 1.4% for WTI, 1.3% for Brent. Uh, so uh, what a bizarre world it is when share prices rise because it seems like the economy isn't doing quite as well as we thought. So central banks might Mike, pause. That's the hope, isn't it? Or stop completely. Uh, that seems to be the story today. And a lot of it is coming from job, job openings. Taylor Nugent is with me from NAB in Melbourne. So jolts last night, the job openings numbers, they were a little under 9.2 million job openings in June. That fell to 8.8 million in July, the latest numbers. This is the lowest for more than two years, and markets seem to be quite excited by that news, don't they? Yeah, good Good morning, Phil. That, that's right. The, a fairly large reaction to, to the jolt starter. I think, you know, we'll have to wait and see that kind of continued rebalancing in the labour market confirmed on on Friday in, in the payroll starter, I think, to, to justify mm. um, some, of, some of this market reaction. But I think, you know, what we are seeing in jolts, you mentioned there um, that job openings declined more than expected that was down from 9.2 million which was itself revised down all, already and then uh, and then fell to 8.8 so well below consensus for 9.5 million job openings in in July in in that survey and i think you know just continuing that message that ongoing rebalancing in the in the labor market is occurring um, and you know, in the context of you know what Powell's remarks at at Jackson Hole that they the Fed is keeping at it, they're not calling victory yet, and they still assess that they need to see further progress on rebalancing in the labour market to be confident in that sustained but Jerome Powell, this inflation. But Jerome Powell has said in the past, hasn't he, that you know if we see less job openings, that might be the way that we manage to get through this without people losing their jobs. If we if there's less uh, job opportunities around. Then that is going to, you know, slow that 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 pressure on wages, and and I guess that means, and we've seen this in the same report, fewer people quit. So three point five million quits, which is down a quarter of a million on the, on previous surveys. Uh, so fewer people quitting, uh, and a lot of that actually in the accommodation and food services. That's where the big reduction has come from. So that will presumably uh, pass on less wage pressure in in the service sector, which is obviously what the Fed wants to see. Yeah, that that's right. So Jolt is kind of continuing to provide a counterpoint to the unemployment rate, which has been kind of sharply sideways since since early 2022. What we're seeing in Jolts is that in those broader measures of, of labor market tightness, there is further moderation and further normalization. And it is kind of consistent with that soft landing story as well. If we think about the number of job openings per unemployed person, it peaked around 2%. It's now at 1.5. 
pre-pandemic, it was at 1.2. So a lot of progress on normalization there. Um, the number of people uh, quitting, the um, that the rate of quits fell further in July down to 2.3. Um, that's below its pre-pandemic peaks. It's about where it was through most of 2019. So fairly normal levels there. And, you know, in the, what we're seeing in the, the hiring and layoff data as well is that a lot of the moderation in the labor market that we're seeing is coming from a slowdown in hiring. Um, with the hiring rate um, falling to around where it was pre-pandemic, while the the layoff rate um, is still below where it was. So we're seeing some of this moderation in terms of slower hiring rather than a, a sharp pickup in, in layoffs, which all in all is consistent with that kind of view that a soft landing is is still possible. Um, and we're seeing, you know, moderation and normalization without necessarily a sharp pickup in the unemployment rate for right. now. Um, and that's all encouraging from from the Fed's perspective. So the markets are looking at this and thinking, well, okay, this could be a sign then that the Fed doesn't have to do any more. Uh, isn't that great? Uh, but of course, that could be all blown out of the water on Friday if non-farm payrolls was to turn around and say, actually, uh, there's uh, there's more people working now. There's less unemployment. Uh, they, they, we've still got that tightness in the labour market. That That's right. Yeah. So expectations for kind of near-term tightening paired a little bit. And we saw a, a fairly um, market fall in um, in yields as well. The two-year yield down about 16 basis points um, on uh, in response to the data. Um, but, you know, again, it just, it's got to be confirmed by, by the other data. You know, the Fed, the Fed and Powell has been very clear that they're kind of not willing to, to call victory early. And, and Powell specifically pointed to signs that evidence that tightness in the labor market is no longer easing could call for a monetary policy response. So, you know, the JOLTS data suggests that ongoing rebalancing all, all going according to plan. Um, but, you know, there's still, still focus on that Friday's payroll data. And, you know, as the, as the months roll on, there'll continue to be a watching brief on this. So we also had the, uh, the com- uh, consumer confidence uh, read as well from the conference board, their survey. Uh, it was 106.1 when 116 was expected. Uh, the interesting thing in this was uh, they said, you know, this was most n- the pullback was most notable in incomes over 100,000. I suspect that's because people were being hit by share prices and incomes under 50,000. Uh, the middle middle incomes are feeling it less. So bottom end, obviously, worried about food prices. And, uh, you know, there was a piece in the AFI yesterday talking about, uh, you know, whether the government in Australia needs to have a have a look at uh, its approach as well to, uh, you know, the next stage of, of tax cuts, because perhaps they need to look after the, the, the lower income earners, which are feeling the, the crunch in, in, in all of this. But central banks must be looking at that, mustn't they? They must be, there must be one fact. If we go up a bit more. What is that doing for these lower income earners, which are obviously bearing the brunt of all of this? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of considerations that, that central banks are reckoning with. But I think, you know, the clear message from from central bankers is that their task is to re- restore price stability and, and restore balance um, and, and see inflation low and stable. And that's, you know, the primary thing that they can do in order to to kind of set the set the economy in a more um, more sustainable setting. Um, and you know that is that is their number one priority. Um, the, the kind of other impacts and distributional impacts are, are certainly um, a, a factor in in policymakers thinking. And I think you know certainly on the on the fiscal side that'll be something that people are considering where the the burden of elevated inflation yeah. is and where is falling most. Um, yeah. But you know the the 
you know, the the way the central banks see them, you know, over the longer term um, supporting prosperity is by um, maintaining their uh, yeah. restoring price. Getting inflation done. That'll be, yeah, exactly. to be the focus. Yeah, of course. Uh, so tech stocks are doing well today. So actually, just one curious thing that, uh, you know, the, the main beneficiary uh, out of uh, all of the good news from the United States seems to have been the UK for some reason. I'm not quite sure why stocks rose more in the UK than they did anywhere else, but maybe because they've been uh, heading so much lower. But tech stocks doing well today. And again, it's the AI story, the artificial intelligence story. So Google CEO has announced that they've got a $30 AI product called Duet AI, uh, which can basically do your job for it, as far as I can, you know, reading the uh, reading the brochures. Fantastic. Uh, you know, no wonder there's less job vacancies in the US because it's all going to be done by AI. Uh, but we've got uh, Google up 2.7%, Apple's up 2.3%, NVIDIA uh, is up 4.6% because, uh, you know, you're going to have those chips and Tesla up 6.7%. So again, it's another day where um, we're seeing, you know, tech leading the way again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, you know, fairly broad based. It's not it's not just in, in tech. Looking at my screen now, all, all 11 sectors in the S&P 500 are higher. The S&P yeah. 500 up close to one and a half percent. But as you say, again, led, led by tech. Um, and, you know, I think what we've seen is just kind of you know, we've got the the dollar lower, US yields lower, and we've got equities higher, and it's just kind of consistent with kind of, you know, reversing some of the the moves that we've seen through through August, and and worth noting that kind of with three consecutive days of um, gains in the S and P five hundred now, about half of the declines that we saw through through August have have been reversed mm. in in that move. So fairly fairly yeah. meaningful strength in, Absolutely. in equities recently. Yeah, until non farm payrolls on Friday, when <laughs> it could all who knows could all go wild. One way or the other, couldn't it? Uh, China, let's talk about that very quickly. Stocks rising there, actually, because the uh, the large state banks are ready to cut interest rates on mortgages. Uh, the mortgage market, they're saying, uh, well, Bloomberg saying, is, is worth more than $5 trillion US dollars. This is only going to apply to first-time mortgages, though. So the, obviously, the idea is to try and give those people more money to spend. Uh, whether that's going to, I mean, if you've, if you've got a hefty mortgage and your mortgage goes down, will you at times like this, will you spend it or will you just use it to pay off your mortgage faster? But anyway, it's another approach, another piecemeal measure we could say from, from China to try and stimulate the economy. I'm not sure whether it's going to work or not. What do you reckon? Yeah, you know, that's, I think that's the right characterization. One more kind of piecemeal step. Um, Bloomberg reporting that, um, that the larger state banks are preparing to cut interest rates on existing mortgages. So that would, that would be a support to, to indebted households and kind of support cash flows. But again, you know, it's not the kind of direct support for households that, that a lot of, a lot of people were kind of, were, were hoping for that kind of strength of the fiscal policy support, support still not, um, still not a feature of, of the, the announcements recently and should clarify there that this is just reported that it, it could be coming at, at this stage. Um, but as you say, overnight, kind of some strength in, in US listed Chinese banks on, on the back of this as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that's digested today. Um, we also had some comments from the, the head of the National Development and Reform Commission kind of continuing to suggest that like more is coming um, to provide counter-cyclical support and, and strengthen the economy. He, he was noting that growth momentum is not strong and the foundation for a sustainable recovery is is not solid. So, you know, no surprises there for people who have been watching the, the data coming in recently. Um, and so, again, it's, you know, another piecemeal step and directed more at kind of financing channels and, and lowering lowering um, interest servicing costs for, for households if this policy measure does come through. 
through through the state banks um, rather than kind of a more big bang direct support from from the central government, which, you know, we've seen good reporting from Ling Ling Wei and others in the Wall Street Journal recently suggesting that there might be a more of a, a deep-seated ideological objection to that kind of consumer-focused direct support to households. Um, and so maybe this piecemeal approach could be what we see for um, for the time being. And the question then becomes, is it enough to, to put a floor mm. under the weakness we've seen in the economy recently? Let's see if it lasts more than a day. Yeah. So, so the Australian CPI today, that is the big number. Will it be too big? Well, it's expected to fall a little bit, isn't it? But not by too much. And it's weighted towards uh, goods, isn't it? So how does that uh, influence the numbers today? Yeah, I think that that's the challenge in interpreting the numbers today. Consensus is for a fall from 5.4% to 5.2% on the year-on-year rate. We're a little bit lower than that, expecting a fall to to 4.9%. And there's a, a bit going on in the um, July number to be uh, aware of. We've got um, some uncertainty around the, the, um, the balance of energy subsidies coming in with kind of the timing of electricity price increases complicating the, the interpretation as well. Um, and also that first month of the, of the quarter is weighted towards goods more so than services. So it gets a lot of the benefit of disinflation that we're seeing across goods and expect to continue without some of that stickiness through services that we expect to be more evident in the August and September reads. Um, So, you know, I guess just the thing to be aware of there is what we expect um, we wouldn't be surprised to see uh, inflation fall more than more than the consensus estimate today. Don't expect that kind of progress on that year-ended number to be continuing through through the rest of Q3. So Michelle Bullock, uh, soon to be the governor of the, the RBA, she was talking last night, she was talking about net zero, which is a slightly longer time frame than uh, what everyone wants to know about, which is what they're going to do next week. I mean, was there much that came out of her talk? Yeah, certainly not from kind of a near-term market perspective. I don't think there was much new in, in her remarks. She did mention in the in the Q&A that, you know, um, monetary policy is going to be kind of a, a month-by-month proposition until at least 2024. Um, so, you know, still retaining that kind of tightening bias. But as we learned from from the minutes, the, the board does see a, a credible path to return inflation to target at this level. Um, but they're, they're watching the data closely and, and they're still open to doing a little bit more if needed, if the data makes that case. Right. Uh, we get uh, CPI for Germany and the euro area as well and uh, European economic confidence as well. I mean, that's going to be interesting because nobody's got a clear idea really of what the what the ECB is going to do in September, have they? That's right. Yeah, September um, very much in, in focus uh, for the ECB in that German CPI data today, a, a key piece of that puzzle ahead of the, the Eurozone one later. And uh, we get second read on uh, GDP for Q2 for the US plus their goods trade balance and the ADP employment numbers, which um, I don't know, we, we've the last couple of times it's been a bit useless, hasn't it? I mean, you know, bearing no relation whatsoever to the non-farm payrolls, which follows so perhaps we just should quietly ignore it tonight uh that would that would be my recommendation i think we're gonna have to wait to see friday's payrolls numbers before before knowing what the the pulse of of hiring was in august but you know given the the sensitivity of, of markets to data at the moment with yeah, the Fed, you know, very openly openly data dependent i think you know if, if it if it's meaningfully different to expectations for 195k i wouldn't be surprised to see a bit of reaction to it regardless yeah all right very good okay just a bit of volatility towards the end of the week good to talk we'll catch you again soon taylor thanks thanks phil And that's it. That's Wednesday morning's morning call from NAB. Back again tomorrow, of course. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening today. Catch you soon.